Welcome back, everybody, to the All Access USL podcast. It has been about two months since the last episode. Um, I really don't have anything to say about that, purely because um, I, for the most part, got caught up with a lot of schoolwork, and I honestly just did not have that much of a feeling to record episodes which sucked because it was a lot it was very enjoyable but with stuff I was doing it just took up more of my time than I thought it was going to and I just didn't have that inkling when I had the free time to make the episodes which was um you know not great heading into a playoff that was some of the craziest we've ever seen And in the end, we saw Memphis winning their first ever playoff game. That was huge. And we saw San Antonio winning their first ever USL championship, which I think is just one of those things that continues to show that the league is just moving forward, especially in parity. It's great to see new teams, or I say to see teams win their first uh, USL championship title, and I think next year we could even see the same thing. Now, I expect San Antonio to be as good, if not better, next year because we've seen them get progressively better the past two or three seasons. But overall, not a great time to just not have the feeling to record. Um, So that was fun. I didn't watch much of the playoffs either purely because of kind of the reasons I just laid out. So I wish I could talk more on it, but not having watched most of the games, it doesn't feel like something I can really talk about. Uh, But props to Memphis, props to San Antonio, props to all the teams that did well. Unfortunate for all the teams that missed out and didn't do well in the playoffs, but there's next year already coming soon. About two to three months before next season starts, we've already got big moves. Um, and that's what we're going to go through today. We're going to go through most of the moves, and then we're going to start with um, season reviews. I think that's a good place to start after this season, especially having not made an episode for about two months. But the first thing I want to say is that I think one of the big things of why I didn't feel like posting that much on Instagram or posting here is because I think I don't really see this as a thing where like I post about rumors and stuff like that I just want to get on episodes and talk about what I see you know what's going on how teams are playing what to expect stuff like that I don't really want to focus on like like I'll focus on that stuff in episodes but I don't really want to post that stuff to the Instagram I don't want to make posts about the rumors and stuff like that and the transfers because I'm going to talk about that in the episodes So I think that's not going to happen anymore. Like I'll post when episodes are coming out. I'll post huge things. I'll post stuff that I do with USL championship teams, stuff like that. But most of the stuff, um, I'm going to be talking about like everything else in the episodes because that's just what I want to do. I don't see the need to post about the rumors and stuff on Instagram when I'm talking about it in the episodes. And I think that will allow me to have more fun um, making these episodes, make them better. I know a lot of them probably felt, I think most of the episodes were good, but some were definitely not awesome. Um, and I think that will also allow me to get episodes out faster, just like have more fun recording them, which in turn will have them out quicker. Like I'll want to record more. 
I'll want to record for longer during each session. So I think that overall will help. So that's what you can expect moving forward. I'm not going to promise when episodes come out. Um, once I get into a groove of getting some episodes out, then I'll create a schedule. Because I know I created like a bajillion schedules um, over the summer and the fall of like, this is when episode, you can expect episodes to come out. I'm going to record right now when I have the time or when I just get that itch to record. Like I want, after today, I want another episode to come out on Wednesday. This episode is going to come out on Monday the 5th for sure. But I want another episode to come out on Wednesday the 7th because I want to do two more season reviews for that maybe three for that episode we'll see but that's when i want another one to come out um i feel like i've got that recording ability in me now to get an episode out today and on wednesday so we'll see though we'll see things change we'll see but that's what i want right now but i'm not going to promise it because who knows what can happen from today to wednesday i hope i still have the feeling to record on wednesday and get that episode out on wednesday but that is just a we shall see uh, situation. Um, so that is kind of my reasonings for why episodes have not been coming out, but also um, what to expect, I guess, in the future, uh, more or less. So, yeah. With that, though, we're going to get into it. We have transfers to begin to this is one of my favorite parts of the season i love the tra- i love transfers i just love it i just love it i love i really don't know how to describe it it's just transfer season gets me going it's some of the most fun i have with most leagues but with the usl championship there's just something different about it seeing teams get better seeing the interesting things they do it just gets me hyped for the new season. Um, the first thing, though, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. Landon Donovan is no longer the head coach of the San Diego Loyal, which is huge. He's now the executive VP of soccer, which is more soccer-related decisions throughout the whole club, not just on the field. Um, that'll also be allowing him to just make more appearances outside of San Diego Loyal, which is something that he seemed to like to do as the head coach, which, I mean isn't great even if it is a usl championship team i feel like you still have that responsibility to be at every game to have the priorities of the results first um and public appearances second to that he clearly didn't so that's why he's got this move and now nate miller is the head coach uh he's done a good job i think it's a perfectly good role for nate miller to have now because he deserves it so Honestly, not too much to say there. I think it's something a lot of us saw coming based off of what was happening the last couple months of the season, the last month or so. So Nate Miller, new head coach of the San Diego Loyal. Now we have the transfers. We've had a lot of transfers, and I think the we are starting to see we're starting to see teams take it more seriously almost because I think Sacramento uh, are pushing hard here. A lot of teams are pushing hard here actually to just get better. I think in the past couple of seasons, we see teams just kind of, I don't know, settle for 
fifth or sixth or whatever. But there are teams here who were not fantastic, who are going for it. And I love that. Uh, we're going to start, though, with Malik Foster heading from Sacramento to the Colorado Springs switchbacks. Colorado Springs obviously lost Haji Berry, so they're trying to make up uh, numbers up front however they can. Malik Foster also played for Sacramento in that uh, U.S. Open Cup final. Uh, he was pretty decent. He was a lot of the Sacramento players were struggling in that game, but Malik was able to get behind a few times, basically, basically because of just how quick he is. And I don't think Orlando were expecting someone that quick and that technical coming from a USL championship team. So he surprised them a little bit. In the end, they still lost pretty heavily. But Malik Foster was definitely one of the players who was causing any trouble for um, Orlando. I had to think for a second. It's been like since August since that game was played. Uh, with Sacramento, he had seven goals and one assist in 24 appearances, which for a winger is not bad. He's quick. He's dynamic. He's a line breaker. We saw that line breaker um, mentality and that type of play in that US Open Cup final. He was able to get some of those passes. And he's also a line breaker just by purely dribbling and being speedy and dynamic. Like I said. Quick dynamic line breaker, all like quick dynamic lead into line breaker almost. You can't really be a line breaker if you're not quick and you're not able to shift around defenders. And that's exactly what Malik Foster is going to do. So I don't expect him to be a, a striker at Colorado because I don't really think that is his best position. But I do think he could fill in there maybe. I know I'm sure Colorado Springs are looking more so for an actual out-and-out -out striker. But Malik Foster is definitely a good option for those wing positions. So we'll see how he does in Colorado Springs. Um, we also have Greg Hurst heading from Phoenix to New Mexico. Hurst didn't exactly work out for Phoenix. And a lot didn't exactly work out for Phoenix this past season. So I don't think it's too crazy to see Hurst moving on this early into his Phoenix career. He's going to New Mexico. Perfect place for him. Uh, New Mexico are always bordering. They're like not ever average, but they're also not ever like great. They're literally above average. They're not in that top tier, but they're not in like that middle tier. They're going in between. They always find themselves, to, for me at least, around fourth or fifth in the West. And I think Hurst is one of those players that when he gets into a team that suits him, like Phoenix, they're theoretically should have suited him. He had six goals, four assists, 31 appearances. He is a center forward out and out. He can play. Um, I believe across the top, maybe a bit deeper in a playmaker role, but he is a central playmaker. He scores and he assists. He doesn't do either or he does both. And I don't think Phoenix really got that. He did. It did kind of average out on both sides. Pretty much, I should say, equaling out on both sides. Six goals, four assists, pretty close. Shows he can do both. But I think he can do it better at New Mexico. Um, it was clear that... How do I put this? Like, It's clear that Phoenix didn't really have much of an understanding of what they wanted to do this year. Purely because it seems like with uh, Chance it was... 
he was able to kind of cater this like or not really cater gosh um he was able to find that balance between good tactics but also having incredible players and now that never translated into the playoffs he was always able to do it into the regular season but i feel like this year tactics kind of went out the window and it was just like how many incredible players can we get and it didn't work because there was just no substance behind having the great players on the field and i think that's where we saw hurst um not do well is that he was one of those great players that they tried to bring in and while he did play well most of the time it didn't translate to the whole team doing well um and we saw that fall apart pretty easily throughout the whole season um i was almost going to say that we saw that against the seven in the seven nil loss to new mexico but phoenix also had players out through covid during that period as well so that didn't help so just a lot of things going against phoenix but this isn't really about phoenix this is hurst to new mexico uh, i think he's going to do well there i think we can i i think we can expect 10 goals and eight assists from hurst at new mexico i think that's what we can expect so definitely be on the lookout for hurst at new mexico another player to look out for is russell ciceroni now, he is Malik Foster's replacement at Sacramento. He has been a mainstay at Pittsburgh the whole time he has been there. 33 appearances this year. He only missed one game. Uh, 13 goals, 6 assists, 19 goal contributions for a team like Pittsburgh is huge. Fit in really well for them. A great addition for Sacramento. Huge loss for Pittsburgh is what I wrote down. So, how Pittsburgh respond to this loss is just get someone good. You're going to have to get someone really good if you want to get, if you want to make this type of move. I'm not exactly sure what Sacramento or what Pittsburgh got in return for this, but it better have been good and they better be able to replace them or else it's going to be a tough season up top. Uh, Cicerone uh, mostly plays centrally. I believe, again, it's one of those things like, Hurst and Foster, where he can play across the top line in any position, but preferably you want him in that center role where he can score. He can also assist, drop back a little bit, supply to the wingers who then score themselves, uh, and also a dynamic player. You know what you're getting with Cicerone, and I think it's going to be exciting to see him in Sacramento. A change of scenery, a huge change of scenery. Um, is always interesting to see with these big-name players in the USL Championship. That is for sure. Um, Cam Lindley to Hartford. This is not really something you expect because Hartford have work to do. I necess don't necessarily know if they make the playoffs this year. Maybe they do if they make enough moves who gel Probably almost instantly. But Cam Lindley is a good start. He was an absolute rock for the Colorado Springs Switchbacks in their hunt for a USL Championship title. And they were, they were obviously they were good. I believe they finished third in the West. Second, or, no, they finished second, I believe. So absolutely, Cam Lindley was huge in that. 31 appearances, only missed three games. Uh, two goals and nine assists from that more CDM role. Did play center mid often, but CDM is where he is definitely good. But he's also 
a two-way midfielder. He can go up top. He can defend. That's what you want. And Hartford know what they're doing with this move. The switchbacks, an, another move, just like Cicerone, where hopefully what they got in return was enough because they are going to need to replace him. If they don't replace him, he is screwed. That simple. So, see how he does there uh, for sure. Uh, next up, Eunice Budati to Indy 11 from Hartford. Big, big move uh, in the defense. Not much to say about him. Eunice Budati is good. Uh, and I think he will improve Indy immensely. It wasn't great with Hartford um, defensively. Purely because Hartford weren't great. Uh, just all around. So we'll see how this goes. I know Indy are... I think Indy more so are closer to a playoff run than Hartford right now. Purely because of... I think Indy have a better base of just good players. Hartford have like good players scattered around. But they also have like pretty... Eh, in some places as well that start. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes for Eunice Budati at Indy, and we'll see how it goes for Cam Lindley at Hartford. I think it's going to be a big, big... You know what? I'll say. I think probably Indy or one of Hartford actually... Well, I'm talking myself out of it now. Indy or Hartford will make the playoffs this year. One of them will. One of them won't. One of them will. And I think it's going to be a fight between them for that last spot this year, for sure which will be interesting. So I've kind of talked to myself into it that they're going to, one of them is going to make it uh, because I think they're making some good moves for sure. Next up, Henry Uzachuku from Coops in Finland to Phoenix. Not much known about him. Uh, only 13 appearances in the Finnish league this past season. He can't play wide back and right mid, but he is more of a center back for sure. And he's got conference league experience. You can't really find much about him. This could be another move where it's like Phoenix thinking that they can just bring in the best players and be fine. But you don't know. It just, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see how it works for them. Uh, defensively is definitely one of the positions that they need to work in. They conceded. They were able to score this year. But defensively, uh, they were shaky most of the time. Not at times, most of the time. And, I don't know, you just, there was no confidence. You had confidence that they could score, because Phoenix can always score. They have some of the best attackers in the league. If they can't score, then that's a problem all around. But they had pretty decent defenders. They had Manu Madrid, um, comes to mind. I believe they had Justin Malou at points this season. But you just have to think, will this actually improve them? You see the conference league experience, you're like, surely it will. But that's not necessarily true. So, see how it works. Not too convinced, but you never know until you see him play. Next up, we have Mark Navarro. This is a huge move for El Paso. And then we'll talk about their other move as well after this. Mark Navarro has Premier League and La Liga experience. Recently. I, he's coming from RCD Espanol, I believe. Yeah, RCD Espanol he's coming from. Now, granted, in his time with Watford in the Prem and Espanyol in La Liga, he did not play much. 
I believe he only hit about 19 games at the most, which was about four or five years ago in the 17-18 season when he was, I think, playing for Laganas in La Liga. But you don't lose that type of physicality that it takes to play in that league. He is, I think, let's compare. Let's compare. When you sp- compare Uzachukwu to Navarro, Uzachukwu could be a good move. He's got that conference league experience. He's got the versatility across the back line. But this feels like, I don't know if it really feels like more of a move of like Phoenix just thinking this is a good player let's bring him in and no matter what or if it's like a calculated move like yes we know who this player is we know he fits I don't know if you can also I think you can say the same with Mark tomorrow I think El Paso are just saying like this guy is fantastic let's bring him in no matter what but I think it'll work so much better for Mark tomorrow and El Paso purely because of how good Mark Navarro is I don't really think it matters uh, how, whether or not he fits in, because he will just be really good. Massive influence on the back line I have written down. Could instantly become one of the best defenders on and off the ball in the league. And he's still only 27. A lot, a lot, a lot to like about him. And a lot, a lot to like about this El Paso defense coming into the season. They also brought in today, as of recording, Dennis Kostishin from FK Alexandria in the Ukrainian top division. Uh, We're just going to run through him real quick because there's not much to know about it. Three appearances, one goal this past season. He's a cam. He can play winger. Um, He's 5'8", and when you're a short cam, you're likely quick, uh, a line breaker, dribbling into those tight spaces and passing out of them. And he has spent his whole career in Ukraine prior to this move. So whether or not he's a starting player, slotting into that cam roll behind that front three that El Paso like to play. We'll see. Or if he's just a role player, uh, second to whoever their starter is going to be this year, we'll see. But can't hurt. Seems like he could be a decent little player for sure. Uh, next up, another Phoenix player, Erickson Gallardo, heading to Phoenix. Now, I like this move. I like this move. Cap by Venezuela three times. Uh, nine goals, six assists in 24 appearances is fantastic. He spent time in MLS with Toronto and can play all across the attacking front line. Fantastic move for sure for Phoenix. Um, I would expect him to play on that right side because I think that's where they need him most. Um, I have, yeah, that right side would make sense for Phoenix for sure. I just had to think for a second of who they have there. But yeah, Gallardo will work there for sure. I think that's where he'd be best. Um, and that experience with Toronto, I think, helps out with even it being the top division uh, and he hasn't played in the USL before. I think just having that North American experience will help him thrive in Phoenix. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how Phoenix do with him this year and how Phoenix do in general. But excited to see how he does. And then last, we have Patrick Segrist of Memphis heading to the Colorado Springs switchbacks. One goal, four assists, and 33 appearances. Only missed one game in Memphis's best ever season. He's a reliable left back. Could get up and down the line and a breakout season with a fantastic Memphis side. And he is still young. A lot to like about this move. And this 
only improves that switchbacks back line. We'll see if the switchbacks can push for that top spot in the West this year. I think San Antonio still have a bit of a chokehold. I don't think San Diego will be there. I think they'll probably be around fourth or fifth. New Mexico maybe could be around that third spot fighting with them. We'll see. Sacramento, I like with the moves that they've made, moving Malik Foster and bringing in Cicerone. But it's just going to be a have to, we'll see type thing. But I think switchbacks are coming for that first spot this year. I think they're going to put up a fight, but don't know if they're quite there just yet. So that are that is most of the transfers I have seen so far uh, and the biggest ones that have happened so far. Um, good to see a lot of moves happening. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with the Hartford Athletic season review. All right, and we are back from that little break, and we are going to finish up by talking about Hartford Athletics' season. Um, it was not what I expected to come from Hartford Athletic. I am pretty sure that I, I'm pretty sure I predicted Hartford to finish in the playoffs. Uh, in my early season prediction about not a year ago it, it would have been this year probably around january february i thought they had a good team they had just brought in austin pack i thought he was a decent goalkeeper he ends up only playing five games conceding nine goals in those games i can't remember what moves that they had made that made me think so highly of them because on paper when you look at them play they were awful i think when i saw them brought in when I saw when I saw them bring in Rashawn Daly, I thought that's a good move. He'll be a good striker for USL Championship. Didn't turn out to be the case. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, I'm trying to think. There, I don't really know what I was thinking of. Thinking about it, there weren't that many great moves that they made to make really a case for them to finish in the playoffs. Um, their top goal scorer this year was Ariel Martinez with nine goals. He really proved to be. Probably their best playmaker. I believe he also had three assists on top of that. And it was one or three assists on top of that. Nobody hit double digits. If anyone was going to hit double digits. If I was to I guess I should put it like this. If I was to say that anybody was going to hit double digits this season. Before the season started. In my prediction. I would have guessed Rashawn Daly. I think he is a more than capable striker. But I think this year we saw that. Maybe Hartford just isn't for him. Three goals in 29 appearances was not even close to what we, what we, at least I, what I expected. And I think what Hartford expected, um, because he is a finishing striker. He had five assists this year, but I think that's a bit of outlier. He is a finishing striker and only three goals. Not great. So I think while they will keep him this year, I believe, they need something else. And so we'll talk about that as well. Right now, we're only on top goal scorer. Um, they need a better forward presence and more output from their wingers and midfielders. They didn't have many players. They didn't have anybody hit double-digit anything. No double-digit goals. No double-digit assists. Assists. Which is a bit worrying. Um, when you have the talent that they have. They have good players, but it just didn't really work out. Um... And I also think 
it's just like they while they do have good players it's not really equal to what other teams have who were above them so a mixture of not really having great um providers and great finishers and then they just didn't exactly have the talent that other teams had above them so that usually doesn't mix well um when you're trying to fight for the playoffs their top assister was Prince Sadie with eight, then Danny Bray with six. Um, that's not horrible, but you really, if you're a good team, um, you really have someone hitting double digits in both those categories. Um, it can be a different person. You can have the, obviously a striker or a center forward or even a winger hitting uh, double digit goals. And then you can have like a winger or a cam or even a center mid hitting double digits and top assist, but they had neither. Um, while you can obviously be a great side with like chipping in from every player on the pitch, usually great teams have that one player who runs away with the golden, uh, with the top goal scorer on the side and one player who t- runs away with the top assist on the side. And that wasn't necessarily the case this year because pretty low numbers in both areas. Um, again, they need more offensive output from their progressive mids and their wingers. Rashawn Daly, like I said, had the five assists, but he is a finishing striker and Hartford Athletic play like they need a finishing striker. So having Rashawn Daly be a provider is not what they needed. Uh, good output, but can contribute more from Rashawn Daly. Don't think he's their man. Think this uh, window, they they should look for an actual out-and-out striker. Maybe even play two strikers. Rashawn Daly can be that providing striker that I guess he's turned into. And they have an actual finisher up top, but Rashawn Daly is just not the man. Uh, they did lose Eunice Budati to the Indy 11. We just talked about we just talked about that, I should say. Um, so how much that'll change, not sure. He is decent, but I don't think he's going to make or break this upcoming season. They'll probably replace him pretty soundly. So definitely something to bring up, but not sure how much it will mean for uh, Hartford. And then in goal, Yannick Odell and James Slate and James Slayton, uh, decent goalkeeping options. Uh, I do think that they are both better options than Austin Pack would have been should he have continued the season. So I think they did well there, but they can do better with a non-negotiable number one. I don't really think either of them. Uh, you you can obviously make a case for either of them to start, but I don't think it's like non-negotiable that one of them starts over the other. If I had to pick one, I would probably pick Slayton. I think he was better down the stretch when he played over Odell, but. Ah, it, it's either way. You can go either way. Uh, they both had decent save success rates, uh, but they were bogged down with pretty inconsistent defending. They're both decent goalkeepers, but you need a non-negotiable number one, and you also need to shore up that defense so that even if it is Odell and Slayton playing again this year, uh, they have more help because usually more help uh, is good, especially defensively. So I know that's probably a groundbreaking thing to say, but usually it's true in terms of goalkeeping. Possible transfers. They already brought in Antoine Hopeno. I did not talk about that. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory how good Antoine Hopeno is and how good he's going to be for Hartford in that attacking role. A good playmaker who can also score. So maybe that's where they get more goals from. Uh, With Detroit, he was very good, but I'm not sure what. I think they still need that finishing striker. Uh, on top of Antoine Hopeno. I also think they need to make a trade for a ball-playing and proven USL center back. Who that is, I don't know. 
but I think it's something that would help them immensely. That's something that helps usually every team. When you trade for a ball playing, uh, well, when you trade for a proven USL center back who's good, um, usually that tends to work out in your favor. But I think in this case, they also need someone who's ball playing because that's what they like to do, Hartford. Sometimes they do just boot it around, but I think they're trying to go for more of a on-the-ground, build-up play uh, type gig, especially with Tab Ramos um, at the helm. Um, and I also put down, we already talked about this, Aletha goal scorer. They need that. They need someone to hit that double-digit goal mark because that's kind of what you need in the East almost. Like, I feel like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll get into that later of like maybe what you need to succeed in each conference. Uh, their final record on the season, 10, 18, and 6, 36 points, 10th in the East. Disappointing year for Hartford Athletic. Um, what to expect in 2023? Don't know. Like I said, I think we can expect one of Hartford or any to make the playoffs, but that just depends on the moves they make and how well it gels together. Um, so yeah, Hartford, disappointing year. We'll see what they do next year with that guys that is going to be it for today's episode it's great to be back excited to get episodes back out again i finally like i said at the beginning of the episode didn't really have that um motivation or itch to record episodes i do now hopefully lots of episodes to come out this week and in the coming weeks but we'll have to see i'll keep you guys updated thank you guys for listening and i will see you guys for the next episode hopefully soon